finally completed a road trip, a long road trip. Uh, 18 hours of drive time, which when you're doing it with kids, that turns into about 20 hours total, making those stops every once in a while that are necessary to make. We covered over 2,200 miles, and so our vehicle aged at least two months in the span of about eight days, and it was a lot of fun. Any of, anyone else recently did a road trip? Long road trip. I know a few of you did out there. Um, and whether or not you didn't take a road trip, if you've been driving lately, anyone who's been driving, have you noticed them? Uh, some of them are white. Some of them are yellow, and a whole lot of them are orange. Have you noticed the signs on the side of the road? As we were driving, I noticed lots of signs that we passed. Uh, signs that some of them, they're permanently fixed in place. They're to be there as long as the road's there, and then others are less permanent, they're mobile, they can be moved. Some of them are electronic and digital, so they can display customized messages, but all of them deliver important information. The speed that I was to maintain, giving me an announcement to be alert and watch up ahead, slow down because of an upcoming sharp curve. There were the signs that said road work ahead so that I wouldn't be surprised by those orange cones and barrels with that super reflective white stuff on them, right? And when the lanes shifted that I would know that that was coming and wouldn't run into those concrete barriers that wouldn't have been too kind to the paint job on my car. And then some of those electric signs, they had customized messages displayed from state agencies. They told me to put down the phone, ignore the texts, concentrate, focus. Some of the signs said, give them a break. Those construction workers, slow down. Do you notice those signs? And when you notice those signs, do you pay attention to them? Do you follow them? Do you slow down when you're supposed to slow down? Or do you ignore them? One of the things I noticed on one of those electronic signs that was posted here in the state of Texas, it said, end the streak. Did you know that in 2021, there were 4,485 fatalities on Texas roads. Highest of any state in the nation. And yet I saw those same exact signs in every single state that we passed through on our road trip. Because as much as we use them and as much as we probably don't even think about it, the road can be a very dangerous place. It can be deadly. And especially if we ignore those warning signs. And today, as we look at God's Word, we're going to recognize that this world can be a very 
dangerous place. And you and I, we're going to travel many, many miles in our lifetime, not just physically in the car, but miles that we put on our bodies emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. And this world can be deadly in all of those areas. And so the reality check that we're going to discover this morning as we look at God's Old Testament people, the reality check is going to tell us and is going to lead us to ask the question whether or not we notice God's warning signs or we ignore them. And so if you're taking notes, that's the first thing, first line that you can write down. Notice, don't ignore God's warning signs. This world can become a very deadly place. And so we are going to ask the question, is there a danger that lurks ahead for you that you are unaware of towards which you speed at an uncontrollable speed and there's going to be a deadly impact but you aren't doing anything about it. The people of Israel, they felt a deadly, devastating impact in the year 722 B.C. And it's recorded for us in 2 Kings chapter 17, where we hear about the fatal fall of that northern kingdom of Israel, sometimes called Samaria. King Hosea was the ruler at the time, but his name might not be as important as the other name that you see in that reading, Shalmaneser, who was the king of Assyria. And this is what we discover. The king of Assyria discovered that Hosea was a traitor, for he had sent envoys to So, king of Egypt, and he no longer paid tribute to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. So he'd been giving money to King Shalmaneser not to come and attack them and decided instead of giving money to the Assyrians, why don't we give money to the Egyptians and they'll protect us. Therefore, Shalmaneser seized him and put him in prison. The king of Assyria invaded the entire land, marched against Samaria, and laid siege to it for three years. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Hala, in Gozan, on the Herbar River, and in the towns of the Medes. That was the end of the northern kingdom. They lost their freedom. They lost their national identity. They lost their homes. And maybe for us as Americans, and we just recently, we celebrated our cherished freedoms and liberties, maybe that's kind of hard for us to understand, hard for us to relate to. But if you spend just a few moments and you listen to someone tell their story about being a refugee from a war-torn country, It doesn't take very long before you understand what this can do to you mentally and emotionally. 
For three years, their capital city of Samaria was under siege. The conditions in that city over those three years became miserable, deplorable, sickening. And families and children, they endured it as long as they possibly could until they couldn't any longer. And then they were removed from their homeland, forced to live elsewhere with very few rights, very few privileges. And this devastation and destruction that occurred, it wasn't due to a poor political move on the part of their king, although that was true. And it wasn't due to this ruthless nature of the Assyrians and their thirst for conquest and power, although that also was true. No, the historian author of 2 Kings, he gives us the real reason that all of this occurred. It's in verse 7. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God. They worshiped false gods that could never help them. And this cultic worship, it led them into gross immorality, sexual sins, greed, murder, more. And it was very open, it was public. And you could watch the husbands who led their families up to these cultic shrines on the elevated places around the countryside. But it wasn't just open, it was also secretive. This darkness and greater sins lurked inside the shadows of their hearts. The author tells us that the Israelites secretly did things against the Lord their God that were not right. And so both outwardly and inwardly, the people's hearts, their lives were not in line with the will of their God. They did not match up to God's holiness or his compassion. And the deadly impact that occurred wasn't a surprise. Well, if you look at verse 13, it reminds us of the clarity in God's work. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all his prophets and seers, turn from your evil ways, observe my commands and decrees. There were warning signs all around them. God planted all kinds of warning signs on the pathway that his people took through history. He sent his prophets. Elijah condemned the prophets of Baal and he he challenged them on top of Mount Carmel and it was clear that the Lord Almighty was the God with power, with strength. Elisha rebuked the kings who refused to return the people wholly back to the Lord. And another prophet, Jeremiah, He talked about how God's people, if they were to turn to God, how they could become influencers in the world instead of the ones who were being influenced. This is what Jeremiah wrote. Speaking for God, he says, If you, Israel, will return, then return to me, declares the Lord. 
if you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, and if in a truthful, just, and righteous way you swear as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by him. And in him, the Lord, they will boast. The warning signs were impossible to miss. But God's people ignored them. They refused to listen to the prophets. They hardened their hearts. They closed off their ears. They shut it down. They turned away from God and his forgiveness and blessing. Verse 14 says, But they would not listen and were as stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust in the Lord their God. The root of all this disobedience, the root of their refusal to listen and their refusal to return to God, the root of it all was trust. God desired to give his direction. God desired to lead his people, but his people didn't trust that it would be for their blessing and their benefit. So reality check, what about you? Do you wholly and and fully trust in God and his direction for your life? Notice the warning signs. Don't ignore them. How do you react when a friend from church, a brother or sister in Christ, calls you up? Says, is everything okay? I, I haven't seen you in worship in a while. And they're asking you because they haven't had the opportunity to support and encourage you and to pray for the things that are going on in your life. How do you react? How do you respond when your spouse asks if you really should have that next drink? Or if your spouse tells you that, you know, your anger really got the best of you as you talked with our kids, and the discipline that you delivered, it seems steeped in that anger rather than conditioned by love. How do you react? How do you respond as you're reading through this book, this wonderful book that God has given to us, and you get to that paragraph or that page that's hard to swallow? You transition to, to skimming, going a little bit faster through that section. Maybe you, do you skip it all together. How do you react when your conscience makes itself known because of your entertainment choices or the sites that you click on 
And how do you respond when, when your pastor says something that stings or pricks a little bit? Do you tune him out? Shut it down, close off your heart, close your ears? Because God, he puts warning signs all around you as well. These warning signs that God delivers so that he can call you to return to him. And all of those questions that I asked you, they're really all about trust, right? Do I trust that what God says to me in his word is for my good? Do I trust that my friend from church or my spouse or my pastor, that, that they are approaching me out of love and, and kindness and concern for my soul, that, that they want what's best for me? Do I trust? Do you notice God's warning signs or do you ignore them? Because God calls to you every single day. Today, tomorrow, the next day, God will call to you and he calls to you. His voice calls out and his voice is not just a voice of warning, but it's also a voice of comfort. His voice is a voice of warning, but it's also a voice that strengthens you and encourages you. God calls out both with his words of warning, but also his words of grace. Devastation and destruction dominated this historical account that we have before us this morning, but even that was an act of God's grace. His love and his compassion for his people, one final act to, to call them to return to him, to call them to repentance, so that they might call upon the Lord, the God who actually could save them and deliver them. God wanted to bring his people back to himself because God wanted to spare them the devastation and destruction of hell itself. And God wants to spare you that awful devastation. You see, God wasn't just interested in the historical or the earthly story of his people, God was interested in their eternal story. And God is interested in your eternal story. That's why he warns you. That's why he reaches out to you. That's, that's why he calls you back to himself. No matter what open sins you have, no matter what secretly hides in your heart, no matter the, the challenges that exist for you, the reasons that you can come up with for why faith is difficult, no matter the ways in which you, you've fallen, no matter the, the dark days that you've gone through that make it hard to trust in God, God is interested in your eternal story. And so he calls out to you. He warns you through his word. He warns you through others. 
And there's an incredible reason to notice God's call. See, God not only sent the prophets, but he sent the prophet. And God not only sent prophets who came with words of warning, but he sent a Savior who came with words of forgiveness and compassion. God also sent Jesus. Jesus was God's message to you in the flesh, that that sign to you that you could physically see as he came to this world. He sent Jesus because your mind and your heart has been laid siege by the immorality and the selfishness that surrounds us in this world. And even though every single one of us, we have fallen to that siege, Jesus never did. Jesus lived a perfect life in our place. Jesus listened to every single word of God's mouth. And he endured the head-on collision that was coming for us as he went to the cross. And there on that cross, Jesus suffered. He felt all the accusations of Satan. He, he suffered God's just punishment that was delivered for the sins of the world. And he took it on himself so that he could give you full and complete forgiveness. God did that so that you would never lose your identity. Your identity as a redeemed child of God. God did that so that you, you could be an influencer in this world instead of just the one who's influenced, that you could influence with peace and grace and love because you live in that peace and grace and love that God has shown you. God did that so that you would know how much he cares for you. That he cares about your eternal story. And God simply calls you to trust. To trust in his promises. To trust in the message that he has delivered. And so, not only is it important for you to notice God's warning signs, but you also need to notice how deeply God cares for you. And how much he wants you in his eternal kingdom. And that's why it's so important to notice God's warning signs and not ignore them. Don't harden your heart or close off your ears. Because a heart that is hardened to God's warnings will also be hardened to God's comfort and God's grace. And our ears that are closed off that won't listen to what God has to say about our lives and and morality and how we live them also will be closed off and won't hear what God has to say about forgiveness and the joys that he has in store for us. Those hearts, those ears, they won't be comforted and encouraged by the wonderful truth that God speaks. Ignoring the warning signs on a road trip could be deadly. But ignoring God's warning signs could lead to eternal devastation and destruction. 
It could lead you to ignore the amazing gift that God has presented to you in Jesus Christ, your Savior. The promise of an eternal destination that gives you confidence for every single day that you walk in this world. This world could be a very dangerous and deadly place. But when you live noticing God's warning signs and hearing his call to return to him, and you live also hearing his grace and his comfort, then it's a joy. It's a joy to notice God's warning signs because God, he is interested in your eternal story. On our road trip, all the signs that I saw along the highway, all of them were intended for my good. To keep me safe, to keep my family safe, to make sure that we could arrive at our destination. And by following those signs, it really helped. It helped make the trip go smoothly. It helped me to know what was ahead. It kept us safe. When you see the warning signs that God has put in your life, they are there for your good. And following them leads to joy in this journey. It doesn't mean that everything is always going to be easy. There's going to be hard days and difficult days. But God reaches out to you both with his words of warning and his words of comfort because he has your eternal destination in mind. And all God's people said, 